What's up, guys? This is Derek Hawkins. And I'm John Mann. And this is Square Zeroes. Uh, today, we're stoked to have Kayleen Redding in the studio. She's a ferocious drummer. She's in a bunch of interesting musical projects right now. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the stuff you're involved in? Hey, I'm Kayleen Redding. Uh, I play drums in a Brooklyn-based noise punk band called Low Fat Getting High. Uh, we have an EP out called Bad Yoga, and I play in the Amputees, which is kind of a collective of a bunch of musicians from all around, but we kind of play in New York mostly, and uh, we just put out an EP called Scream. Excellent. Um, so today we're going to be talking to you about some bands that you played in in high school and sort of how you got your start playing music. It seems like you were in a lot of different projects in high school. Was there a way that you sort of, like, how did you sort of find these bands? How did you sort of uh, start out with all of that? Oh, well, I joined uh, this, this school of rock and uh, kind of found most of the, the people that I played with in, uh, in the bands in high school through that program. How did that work? Now, did you have, was there just a, like a school of rock in your town or was it something like, how was it, how was it organized and how did you sort of like reach out to that? Yeah, school of rock's actually um, nationwide. It's like an after school program. It's performance based. So you take a weekly lesson, but you also have a weekly rehearsal, which is kind of gearing up for a show that you'll do at the end of about like three months. And they'll all be different kind of uh just rock shows like there's a prog rock show there's a led zeppelin show and they're all they all teach you different things so it's a it's an interesting way to to learn music now did, was that your absolute beginning the school of rock or did you play for a couple years on your own or? uh pretty much i like self-taught myself kind of the basics of playing drums i actually was focused on being a guitar player when i came into school of rock and i was obsessed with tony iomi i had this little thing that I don't know if you remember Line 6 put out these guitar ports and you could slow down like songs. I would slow down Black Sabbath songs and just try to learn the solos. And I was actually the first student at the School of Rock in Princeton and I was jamming with the um, with the owner of the school. Like he was my first kind of teacher and we would kind of do things, you know, jam, just kind of there weren't so much structured lessons. And um, we we're jamming. He's like, he was playing drums. He was just kind of messing around. He's a bass player. And he was like, I'm kind of sick of playing drums. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And I had kind of taught myself the basics, but he was like, my mom didn't really want me to play drums because they're the loudest instrument. And he was like, nope, you stay there. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so. so that's when you made that shift from uh, Tony Iommi to Bill Ward. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we're, you're going to play a couple tracks for us from one of your early projects called Dyslexicon. Yep. Why don't you introduce this first track here? Uh, this is a song called The Sea, and uh, I remember when we wrote this song, we titled it The Sea because it was in the key of C. <laughs> and this uh, <laughs> this is like pretty much my very, very first band. We all met at the School of Rock, and uh, the band, there was a band, Dandelion, who was actually um, the owner of the School of Rocks. That was his like grunge band in the 90s, and they had a, a an album called Dyslexicon, so he kind of gave us that name to use for our band.
All right, the C by Dyslexicon. Dude, what's not to like about that, man? A little <laughs> bit of Maiden, a little bit of Sabbath in there. That was pretty cool. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I was a freshman in high school when that was recorded, and uh, the the singer was then in eighth grade, so I think we've all changed a he bit was, from that, that time. He was in eighth, <laughs> eighth grade? grade man. That, that does not sound like a like a 13-year-old voice to me. You guys all have, like, it seems like everybody in the band has, like, some depth of character to, like, their instrument and whatever they're doing, whatever they're performing. You know, everything is pretty well honed and well stylized, you know, relative to a lot of other recordings that we hear in a lot of other high school bands, which are just kind of dry into a solid-state amp, you know, toneless. Uh, what informed that? I guess the School of Rock and us listening to, you know, the best bands like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and um, I, don't, I don't really know. I'd been playing for like six months. I don't know exactly where that came from. So, Let me ask you, too, these, these recordings, because they are like pretty well, I mean, extremely well produced for like somebody who's in you know who's playing who's uh, you know that age was that also sort of under the auspices of the school of rock like did they put you were they recording you and stuff too Uh, our first like few demos we actually did in our friend's basement um and we had some great times down there and uh this was like kind of our parents and um, this other guy had taken interest in us, like another kid who went to the School of Rock's father had kind of taken a big interest in us and actually brought in a producer to come record us at School of Rock. So that's where we did these sessions in the rehearsal room. His name was John Ginty. I'm trying to remember like the the kind of big guy he worked with. He did that song, Let the Drummer Kick That. I'd have to look it up, but... Uh, tell us about, let's go to the next song. Uh, this is another Dyslexicon song. Uh, give us a little bit of the backstory for this one. Well, Dyslexicon, we used to practice, and we would always go to Burger King. And I remember our big thing was to drink Black Golds, which is just Coca-Cola mixed with Dr. Pepper. And that was kind of what fueled us for these band practices when you're just in high school. And um, things like that are still cool to drink. <laughs> and... Uh, we actually, there was like a, a lady who worked at, an older lady who worked at Burger King named Lorraine. So these lyrics aren't too deep. They're about her. <laughs> that sounds perfect. That <laughs> sounds right. perfect. Lorraine's Kitchen.
Okay, so that was Lorraine's Kitchen. Um, again, about uh, experiences at Burger King, young experiences <laughs> yeah, at Burger is, King. <laughs> like, if it wasn't like, if you don't listen to the lyrics too closely, it sounds kind of like big and epic. And I bet you could fool a lot of people into thinking that that was some like deep cut from some '70s like big rock album or something like, rock like that. Powerhouse, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you. So, if these are again, you know, like if these are people that you sort of, to some extent, I guess, get matched up with through the School of Rock program. Um, are these guys you still know? Like, are these people you still play, not play with necessarily, but like still keep up with at all? Or Oh, yeah, I, I see them around. Uh, we're all in different projects now, none of which sound like Dyslexicon. Uh, the bass players in this really rad band called Satellite Hearts are from Philadelphia. The guitar player, one of the guitar players, Russ Chell, is in this band, The Skins, who are off doing amazing things, actually working with Rick Rubin and touring all over the, the world. I just caught them at Afropunk Festival. And um, Alex, uh, the singer, is in this band, uh, Second Child, um, with another uh, one of my friends, Alex Charmatier, who I met at School of Rock. And it's really beautiful stuff with lots of vocal harmonies. And um, Cameron, the guitar player, I saw him a year about a year ago at one of the low fat gigs and um i haven't i'm not sure what he's up to i know he lives in in greenpoint i think he busks i i think that was the last thing he told me he was doing but um i don't know i I would like to catch up with him more but i i do stay in touch with most of them cool so so hopefully hopefully they'll all hear this and kind of laugh along with you and not not come after you about this yeah i i hope so because it's it's fun i mean we're all in such different spots and we're all cool with each other i mean you know it was it was in high school so right now (laughs) that recording was actually done earlier than the first song see this the I actually don't remember when that recording was done, but I know we stopped playing that song at some point. We just kind of, it's not one of our heavier songs. I totally forgot about that jam section at the end. So Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at, too, is like, there's, you know, they're from the same general batch of songs, though, originally, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's some serious musicianship going on in those songs, especially, like, given your age and the amount of time that you've been playing your instruments. I'm wondering, like, what your songwriting process was like, because it seems like it would be so much more sophisticated than your typical high school band. I'd have to say, like, I can't remember how we wrote the songs. I think it was just a lot of jamming. We would use the rehearsal room at the School of Rock after the show rehearsals and just kind of make these songs. Obviously, that was just kind of written off like that epic chord progression and kind of went from there. And I, I don't know exactly. At that time, we we're all like freshmen or in Alex's case, eighth grade. And we just practiced for hours on end. It was so new and exciting that we really just wanted to be the best. It is still just batshit to me that that voice came out of like a thirteen-year-old. Thirteen-year-old kid, man, that's awesome. Man. That's you guys nuts. are living the dream in a way. You had like yeah. the recording set up. You had your sweet instruments. That's just that's badass. It's like I always sort of make this joke that it's like, what must the guys, you know, because like Misfits, like the band itself, like the guys aren't that talented. Like their recording sound oh, kind of no. crappy like, and shit like the that. Early stuff like they're like missing chords and stuff. Like, and what and it the must same have... drum fill over and over again, but it's and, still fucking it. And just amazing. The, and the dollar signs on their eyes or whatever you want to call it when they like heard Danzig sing the first time. You know when oh, they, yeah. like, when he stepped into the practice space and they were playing and they were that like you know the like, 
huge fucking burst in a song like she or something like that like I, I i feel like you would get the same thing where it's like yeah you're playing with some 13 year old kid who's got pipes you know like you, you heard him heard him sing i'm sure it was red i mean they had songwriting talent that's so true i don't know well put yeah, you can't yeah. knock that well so we had one more song that we wanted to try and listen to now this is from you said a i guess a more more recent, I mean, not as recent as your bands you play in now, but a relatively more recent project called uh, Destructitone. Yeah, so Dyslexicon was like my freshman year of high school, and then I was in a plethora of bands until, like, you know, past that, you know, bands come and go, just a bunch of different projects. I'm a drummer, so, you know, everyone... You're in high demand. Yeah, definitely. And, um... Then, like, senior year, I actually moved out of my house to live in a recording studio in Long Island, in Middle Island. And um, it was run by the guy who actually founded School of Rock. And so there were people kind of from all over the country. And there was these guys who went to School of Rock in California, uh, Dom and one guy that we called Thor. <laughs> and we started this kind of, like, doom metal project well they actually started this doom metal project called destructo toad and they were like who could we get to play bass oh kayleen would be a great bass player it's like i played drums but okay you know i was competent on guitar and bass so it was actually a lot of fun playing bass now let me ask you just before we get into the song just because this is an interesting little note too so you said your senior year you moved out of your house into this music house Mm -hmm. so your parents were just mad supportive of you yeah i finished school i finished school online you know they were supportive of you know me playing music and they they i'm lucky they believe in me yeah that's really awesome and plus the living was free so it's not like (laughs) it it sounds like i mean it just sounds like some like olympic village shit right like it's like you go it's like it's like you know where you hear about these like you know these like gymnasts that come from like lower income areas and they like send them to live with some family in wisconsin where they can you know like where they can like be brought up and stuff like it's it has this awesome sort of ring to it where it's like i mean obviously you guys are all really talented like you know but it sounds like you were be, almost being groomed to an extent, like rock and roll groomed, which is rad. Yeah, it's de- definitely. I mean, we could play music just hours on end. It was like this huge mansion uh, that was rented out, and we weren't asked to pay any rent. And I mean, it was me and about like I would say like ten other kids, and you know, you can kind of do the math <laughs> of what <laughs> what happens when you put a bunch of like kids you know who would be seniors but have chosen to live in this house i I don't regret not going to my senior year (laughs) in high school i didn't go to prom but you know i could i have you know these jams to look back on and as memories so maybe maybe a better metaphor is like the x-men metaphor it's like like, like professor xavier school for gifted children (laughs) yeah i word so we're gonna hear a song now called I actually didn't have a name. Oh, right. This is the big session. This is You compared yeah. it to uh, Sleep, which is obviously an important record for you. Yeah, we, we had these four songs that we continually jammed on, and uh, we would just kind of play these songs over and over again. But I could honestly say I never got sick of playing them, mostly because I think, you know, I'm not used to playing bass and, like, drums. I never want to, like, do band practice or anything. I mean, I do, but it was it's a little bit more exciting because I'm like okay I actually want to get better you know playing bass so yeah let's just play these over and over again (laughs) 
And so this is your like dope smoker, you said. Kind of like the first song I compared to Dope Smoker because it was like we could never really end it and it would have just probably kept going on for like an hour. Um, but if you, I'm not sure why these weren't, they weren't cut up just because of the way we recorded them. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't say they all flow together like as Dope Smoker does, but we definitely always played these songs and just once we got to the end, we'd just start over again all right so we'll, cool. we'll drop out drop with, in on i say drop out with bass in hand <laughs> yeah and, uh, and, uh, and drop drop the needle at just a good part of this song where it's kind of it's broken up where we've got a sort of three or four minute segment here
So uh, that was, I guess, sort of untitled a segment <laughs> of your your great uh, great opus. Uh, that was gnarly. Yeah, man. Electric Wizard, Sleep, pretty rad. Nice. Right. Uh, favorite band, so. <laughs> Electric Wizard, your favorite band? Uh, one of them, definitely. Nice. Well, you yeah. can hear it for sure. Um, yeah, give us a little bit about that one. That was recorded somewhere around 2010 or something like that. Yeah, it's called. It's from this kind of opus shed sessions because it was recorded in a shed um on like a little tape machine recorder like very uh i guess like half inch tape because it was small so i don't really know but uh yeah we recorded them all in one shot and uh it was rad time is it interesting to listen back and hear like it's a little bit like the recording quality itself is grittier and lower fi than the stuff you recorded at the music school yeah, I think, you know, I think it, it's actually a progression, but in a way going backwards, you know, I wasn't so into like, you know, playing as many notes as possible, just kind of more emphasizing on groove and just uh, definitely wasn't listening to Electric Wizard when I was in Dyslexicon, like that, that kind of came later, so... I guess that makes sense, though, too. If you're already playing sort of a rhythmic instrument, that you would be more concerned with, like, the cadence of things rather yeah. than... Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I was also playing bass, so I can't kind of play as well on the bass guitar. So there's less that I can do in a way, so it kind of, you know, keeps me in this little fence, sure, fence but then, scenario. But then sometimes you get the best stuff out of that, too. You know, it's like when, you're, when your means are limited, you kind of explore the limits of those means. Yeah. I, I've hooked up, like, the bass guitar with the distortion pedal, and I was more focused on just like, oh, that sounds really cool, but... I wasn't really practicing scales or anything, trying to be the best bass player, just having fun with it. So, How would you say your uh, drumming has evolved from uh, Dyslexicon to where you are now in low-fat getting high? I would say kind of there's a trend where most of my drum tracks sound like mini drum solos in a way, even with low-fat. I guess that's just kind of the way I play, and that's kind of what's asked of me too, you know. When we go into record, sometimes it's just like, and just do a crazy fill. So it's not, sometimes it's not always my idea because I'm like, I don't want to do something crazy. But I guess it's involved, it's evolved. I, I've definitely gotten better. I, I feel like less sloppy. So we want to say thanks again, Kayleen, for coming in and talking with us today at uh, Square Zeros. You guys can catch Low Fat Getting High on January 23rd at Chase Stadium or again February 20th at Death by Audio. And amputees are going to be in Austin this weekend. Check them out Thursday at Hotel Vegas, Friday at Beerland, or Sunday afternoon at Trailer Space Record Shop. 